Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to another series of Rahalastapa Book Club. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by the fabulous David Quantic. He's written a marvellous book, which I had here with me a second ago. It's disappeared. That's, that's spooky in itself. Uh, it's called Ricky's Hand. Um, no, it's gone. That's weird, isn't it? It's like, that's a bit like the the book itself, David. That it, that my I came here with the book and it's vanished. Uh, it's let's write a novel about that. Gone to another dimension. <laughs> it's you know, it's an audio podcast. It doesn't matter. I don't need the book. <laughs> um, so uh, lovely to see you, David. We've uh, we worked together many years ago on uh, on the hour, though not in the same room very often. No, um, it was a lot. It was it was a heck of a long time ago. <laughs> it was a very. Where long are they time now, ago. eh? Where are those losers now? Dead. I don't know, what, don't know what happened to any of them. Do you want to tell? I mean, you are very well known in the industry, and I think people would obviously know your work, but they might not know you yourself as this sort of writing genius behind so much stuff. Do you want to give us a brief précis of um, what you've done and who you are? 
Okie doke, went to university in London, became a music journalist for The Enemy and others for about 20 years, then started writing for Armando Yanucci programs, still doing that, um, written for loads and loads of different programs, including Harry Hill's TV Burp and Veep, and also wrote loads of books from Grumpy Old Men on Holiday um, <laughs> to my current series of non-award winning science fiction novels. <laughs> so which Ricky hand, Ricky's Hand is the latest one. And there, I think what's quite interesting before we get onto Ricky's Hand is that looking uh, at your previous science fiction books, so there are, you've, you've written uh, how-to manuals on writing and all sorts of other things as well, and lots of other TV and films. Um, but you sort of, the, the first one seemed to be published on Kindle, and then you went to Unbound, and now you're with a publisher, Titan, um, which I think, you know, is, is, is an interesting route to go, and obviously is a route for people who, um, you know, who, who who might be struggling to find a publisher or, or might just want to try the hand. Can you take us through the sort of the logic of, of, of how you started to write these sci-fi books and get them out there? Sure. I wrote uh, at the turn of the century a novel called a comic science fiction novel called Sparks in the kind of Douglas Adams style. And I nearly got I nearly got it published. I had an agent who liked it and then suddenly emailed me and said, sorry, I can't do this. So obviously, he was got at by Mossad. There's no other explanation. <laughs> and it sort of languished. And then my wife basically said, there's this thing called the Internet and sent me some articles. <laughs> so I put it on Amazon and got a nice quote off Neil Gaiman about yeah. it. And it's a confidence thing because even though I've been writing for years, I'd never had anything made that was just my name on it. You know, I'd always written for other people or not had things made. Yeah. And so having that done, and then I went to Unbound with other books, and one of them got reviewed, and it was quite a favourable review, but it was like, wow, I can actually do this, hmm. which was a genuine shock, because I saw having a book out, like getting a book published, a bit like learning to drive, in that it was something I had no idea that I could do. Yeah. And then I got unbound published stuff and then it was like oh I can do this and then I had another idea which was a horror novel called All My Colours and it was like there was never any doubt that it was a good book it was doubt that it would get published and ever since that I've never looked back as it were yeah so I mean it is interesting because you were such an established writer and you know Anne did have books out as you say and so it, it is I mean it, it is one of the uh, if there are writers listening to this which I hope there are it is kind of one of the most sort of difficult things is to, I think especially maybe with with something like sci-fi, where there's lots of people trying to do it and lots of people doing it quite badly, and there's probably a lot of people self-publishing and doing quite bad stuff. But it's quite it's quite a difficult thing to to get that. Obviously, when they become big, they become massive, but it's it's difficult to get that thing across the line, and it's and it's and it's often difficult to persuade people to to go with it, especially if it's an unusual idea, I suppose. Well, for me, it was the crossover, which I'd had before, because when I'd been a music journalist, it was kind of hard to get taken, as it were, seriously as a comedy writer. Yes. It was like, you go you go to a show and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you some work. We'd like you to do some song parodies. It's like, okay, because that's what we used to do at the NME, you know, <laughs> rhyming couplet attacks on Coldplay and Public Enemy. So I ended up writing song lyrics for funny songs for Spitting Image for a while. Yeah. And then... And then having established myself a bit as a comedy writer, it's like you write science fiction and it's really bizarre because people go, oh, I loved your book. You know what? The one where the aliens came and disemboweled everyone, ate their brains and 
you know, went around in the costume of dead dogs. Yeah, it's really funny. Like, it's it's not a comedy, but it says on the front, you know, with writer of Veep. Yeah, but so it's quite bizarre that people do perceive things according yes. to reputation. So presumably, when I'm ninety, I'll be trying to write operas, and everyone go, "It's a science fiction classic." <laughs> well, it definitely it is definitely difficult to get out of one box into another box, and people yeah. do. Yeah, and it, it, uh, though you know these, this novel, Nick Ricky's hand, is certainly funny as well as uh, as well as being a, as a proper sci-fi novel. There's there there's humorous stuff in it, and the characters are uh, you know interesting and deep and 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 flawed and and thus funny. Um, do you want to tell us a bit? Of, again, I'm always cautious with when talking to people who've written a novel, and especially with something like this, which really depends so much of it depends on what the hell is going on and the joy of finding out what the hell is going on so i don't want to give anything away do you want to give your praise of the of the concept of this book that, that you're happy with going out to the public without ruining anything <laughs> i will do that yeah i mean a long time ago i just had this i had a hangover and i was in the bathroom and there was my hand looked wrong you know when you're sort of not physically right? And yeah. I was looking at my hand and it was the wrong colour for a hand and it was sort of the wrong <laughs> sh- And I, for a moment, I was convinced, I think, that it was someone else's hand. Yeah. And that, just that image of someone looking at their hand and it's like, it's not their hand. So, and I couldn't think of anything to do with it. And I actually wrote a 2000 AD Future Shock script, which was rejected for being too old-fashioned. So up yours, 2000 AD. Um, <laughs> and... Then I abandoned it, and then I finally saw a way of doing it. So it's about a man called Ricky, named after the Fad Gadget song, who wakes up, he's got someone else's hand. How does he know it's a different size, a different shape? And the F word is written on the knuckles, which is a bit of a clue. (laughs) And after that, it was like, well, how did this happen? And then it was like, oh, well, you know, a few weeks later, he wakes up, he's got someone else's leg. And you think, (laughs) well, where's this going? This is going all the way, you know. And then it develops, he meets other people who are in this position. And then it's like the explanation for it. I would say, and I've wrote the book, it's an unlikely explanation, but then there is no <laughs> likely explanation for waking up with someone else's hand on the end of your yeah. arm. And the way in for me was that sometimes when you write stuff, again, confidence, it's like, what voice is this? Because one thing about being from the West Country is anytime you do anything, you write something, people go, oh, I heard that in your voice. It's like, great. I've just written a novel set in, you know, Florida with Americans in it. Everyone's hearing somebody going like, good morning, I'd like a frappuccino, please, if you don't mind. So I th- with with one book I'd written, so I'd done, Sparks was sort of Douglas Adams, and it's very easy to go down that route badly. Um, yes. All my colours, I wanted to write a 1970s Stephen King novel. And with this one, it's like, well, it's Florida. It's got somebody with a limb problem. I don't know if you've read Carl Heisen, but no. he's great. He's sort of like a kind of day-glow Elmore Leonard. And in all his books, they're all set in Florida. They're all crime novels. They're very Elmore Leonard. And he has a running joke that in every book, somebody has something horrific happen to one of their limbs. Right. In one of his books, somebody is bitten by a rabid dog, which he then beheads, but the dog's <laughs> head won't come off his hand. So it starts to rot and he becomes infected with dog disease. So I didn't go that. So my book is actually less extreme. That's but I wrote true. a Carl Heisen sci fi novel. So 
No one's done that, so I'm safe there at least. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I love that. That's the uh, the genesis of it. I thought there might be some sort of Kafka metamorphosis kind of thing. Oh, he wakes up and something's changed, and, and maybe that was the influence. But I love the fact that it came from you being over and not recognizing your own hand. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it is. You know, it does. Be, it, it is sort of intriguing, and it's it's a great concept. And the, the characters are, are great, which we'll talk about. In a sec, but I, I suppose with sci-fi, this is exactly the kind of genre that I'm. I would really love to write in as well, and all, have always just whipped out or been too scared or not thought it was good enough. And I came up with an idea that we nearly did as a TV show, that now would seem a bit passe, which is about alternate universes and stuff. Um, and that that there's what you know that's within that. You, I, I spent a lot of time trying to think of the logic of how alternate universes would work and if you were shifting in between them, what it would mean and the rules of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I suppose there's there's a sci-fi twist to this, which we won't, we won't discuss, but you, you, I, you don't, I don't think you get as bogged down as I did in the logistics of, of how it would work or having to explain how how the twist would, would work. You sort of just say this happens and... You get on with it. Was that was that a deliberate decision, or was that was that just because it was too hard to think of a logical way to explain it's, it? Uh, I'm very much of the school of thought of make it work for. It's like you've got it. Uh, so you've got Lord of the Rings, right, where Tolkien sits down, and because he's a professor of whatever it university land, um, he makes up all these languages and a complex mythology for five or six different cultures. <laughs> Then you've got C.S. Lewis, who comes along, does talking horses. And later on, somebody says, how come some of the horses can talk and some of them can't? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that in book six. Or you've got like <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin, you know, where he's got loads of characters who speak in different languages. And he hasn't, he doesn't, there are no made up languages. Someone came along and made up a language for him. So with this book, I did read several books by the bloke who wrote Invasion of the Body Snatchers, whose name escapes me. He wrote some fantastic time travel novels. And the way people time travel, not giving away too much in his books, because he doesn't really care about the process, is basically they sit down in a Victorian room and think Victorian thoughts. And (laughs) But what's great about the book, because he's so good, he creates this atmosphere and you find yourself sort of slipping mentally. And so I tried to do that. I mean, it's not quite as simple as that. It does basically in my book. Oh, I've slightly given something away, but say there was time travel in my book, <laughs> it would slightly involve sitting in a room and thinking about the past. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I don't care about I don't care about science. I think it's all made up anyway. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it is. Once you get into sort of the supernatural and and sci-fi, it is all made up. So you can you can go anywhere. And I think that's you know I think it's because it's so easy. I think when writing stuff like this to get bogged down. And, yeah. and then and about worry about stuff. And actually, all you need to do is keep the story going and know what. I mean, people like me who are, are, are nerds and get upset and might go, but that doesn't make sense because they said, but you know, mainly most people are <laughs> reading it to be entertained, and you really get carried along by the story in this. And I think a lot of it is obviously to do with the characters, which uh, I mean, the, Ricky is a a, a, a paparazzo. Uh, and he sort of becomes involved with one of the people he's stalking, basically, in terms of they're both uh, suffering from this body swap uh, thing going on. Uh, and so they're enemies, but they, they or not enemies, or they're, they're, they're fight. you know, she doesn't like him, but they, they come to uh, form an alliance. Um, obviously, you, you did work within the music industry and presumably saw uh, uh, people like this, the, 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 the pop stars and the, the paparazzi, paparazzi. 
Uh, was that was that an influence at all from from your own from your own experience, or did it, was it just let's let's? Well, I've met, I mean, it worked with the story because because it was the Florida setting and the Carl Heisen thing. I want, I thought something would be fun in the celeb world. It's easy, really easy to write celeb stuff because everyone just you just make it up and you can be silly and outrageous. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I was interested in writing a grubby character. Yeah. You know, there's that sort of noir tradition, a Philip Marlowe thing, and I like the idea. I like the idea of heroes who are unpleasant. Yes. Most of my characters are quite unpleasant people in the stories I've written, or just useless. And I kind of like the idea that this was this slightly gra- grizzling, venal man who's just making money photographing basically women's bottoms for money. Yes. And yeah, so I just took it from there, really. My favourite character in it is his sister, who's a cop, and yes. just hates him. <laughs> but it's, you do sort of like this guy, even though, even though he's he is scum, basically, and he, you wouldn't like to be, uh, you know, his friend. But but within within what happens to him, and you know, he, he has a self awareness, I suppose, and uh, sort of tragedy to him. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a very appealing character straight away, oh, uh, and then for you. this thing to, for this thing to then happen to him straight away makes it you know you're you're just hooked in because it's a it's a you know it's sort of like you say it's a simple premise is that it, and and the way that it's come about is oh what if what if you suddenly had someone else's hand on your on your arm <laughs> that's the sort of simple premise that you then expand out into this you know whole universe of of craziness but uh, but yeah it, it is. Um, you know, it's very important, I suppose, isn't it, in any novel to to make sure whether the characters are nice people or not that we that we're interested in them. So that's that's the that's the skill of this, I think. Well, I just wanted, I suppose, I did want it to be funny. I mean, yeah. if he'd been some sort of clean cut character, you know, like, oh no, you'd just be like, oh mate, your life is great. Who cares about your flipping hand? You know, go and get a new one. Whereas this bloke, he's got nothing. You know, he's an alcoholic, he's living on the floor. So there's all things that I could identify with from my youth. And just his vin out, you know, it's just, it's funny when bad things happen to not very good people. And then it was just nice to have the opposite of the other person this is happening to, who's a young woman who's a famous pop star who's having quite a difficult life. So put them yeah. together, and you, it is the opposites thing. And then you just get loads of, I'll just admit it now, time-travelling terrorists. <laughs> Good. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put out the spoilers in here before before we start. Because, <laughs> but, you know, it's still, it's still it would, it, you wouldn't be able to predict what's, gonna, what's going to happen regardless. Yeah. So uh, you'll still have lots of fun uh, find, finding your way uh, through that. Um, and and there is some there is someone whose uh, penis gets swapped as well, during, which, you know, is the obvious... I was hoping that that would, that would come up, but there were, there's a there's is there, and it's very lightly done and it's uh, only incidental, but there is that presumably would be part of this eventually if the whole body's getting swapped. Well, I mean, you've just got to be honest about it, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's always that thing that people say at school. You know, if I was a man who woke up in the body of the woman, and it's like they didn't detail the revolting things that they, and it's the same with this. If you woke up with somebody else's hand or somebody else's penis. Yeah. There are certain things that you would certainly consider doing <laughs> just to see what it was like. Yes. And again, yeah, as you say, I've skated around that in the book. There would always be a sequel <laughs> whose title would be unrepeatable here. 
Uh, is there any particular part of your body you would like to? It's quite a good emergency question for me. If you could swap one, one part of your body with 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 anyone else, is there, I is like there your any... emergency questions a lot. I think it would be my nose because the rest of me is irredeemable. The nose is at least in the middle. Yeah, it would help me be more. My nose is one of those things that you know. The moment you think nose, I just can't stop seeing it, and it looks like just a red pink blob. It looks like kind of lava pretending to be a nose to get into a party so yeah i think then yeah i mean that's a great question what part of your body would you change i think my nose i mean but it's also got to be at random with someone you don't know who you're going to get so you could get a a worse nose or a nose that you could get a tiny little button nose would you like that on your face so you know it's it's, that that's the danger well that's the thing about comedy it's almost i'm sure you're familiar with the melon joke the the man the man who was given by a genie an orange for a head. I was watching a, a film with a genie in it. And I'm thinking I would be the person who, if I met a genie who granted me my heart's desire, I would say, just to be funny, I'd like my head to be a tiny orange, <laughs> which I would regret forever. But it would be worth it for two seconds just to see the genie going, what? <laughs> Look on, orange me up, make me a mandarin. Yeah, you do have to be careful. Be careful what you wish for is, is you know, and also don't deliberately wish for something uh, that uh, will will pull you apart. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, because I, I haven't read these books, but you've written two books about how to be a writer, which I think people listening to this podcast might be interested in. Um, to, to, is it possible to to get across your 30, 30 odd years of experience in a book? Is it, how how easy was that book to, to write? Well, it was fun because I interviewed a lot of my friends. Um the notion of it was it was called first one was called How to Write Everything, because the thing was that I'm because I'm a hack. You know, I've literally written, you know, everything from wedding speeches and funny underpant jokes for Spitting Image 
to novels and movie stuff and and I just thought it'd be good to write a book that encompassed all of it because you always get, you know, with these books, it's like, how to write a movie? First, make sure the format is final draft, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it'd be interesting to see what everyone had in common. So in one of the books, I asked everybody when they wrote. And it was really interesting because everybody, even though it's complete fiction, said, best time to write is in the morning when you're fresh, except for the crime writers who said we write at night because it's scary. <laughs> That's interesting. I do sort of ask similar stuff to that, and you do get quite. I mean, because are you are you a you do so much. Uh, I'm a very scattergun, last minute, and you know, disorganised person, and 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 I find it usually. I usually am up against deadlines, if not missing them. Are you are you quite uh, are, you, are you quite regimented and manage to write every day, or or are you like that as well? It's a bit of both. I mean. Because I come from the music press, the weekly deadline was such a great thing. It's like, we need it in now or you don't get paid. Great. And also conciseness. I find, I can't believe that someone can write a 50,000 word novel. I wrote a book recently and it was about 100,000 words and I did an edit. and It was now, then it became really tiny. Right. Um, I'm really in the, like people like Mickey Spillane who could write, basically write a novel on speed in a fortnight. That's my dream. Yeah, um, I so find yeah, that. I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I I'm find that. Bit, God, sorry, sorry. I'm a bit disciplined. I mean, when I when I write when I've got a book on, I always write a certain amount of words every day, five days a week. Right, keeps me sane, gives me a goal. But yeah, in most things, it's when I, I will write it if I can. I'll write it the night before. Yes, I mean, I find it very hard unless pressed by a deadline. To not just get stuck, and I think I, I think I saw you write this somewhere that you just have to, or certainly it's very good writing advice that I failed to follow, which is just write and you know just get it written and just just keep on writing because being a writer is about writing, and and so if you get stuck on a word or get stuck on an idea, just sort of put blah 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 and 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 carry on. But that's that's the thing that I find the most difficult is to is to is to do that sort of diarrhea draft the first draft of stuff with and 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 even if I know no one's going to read it to let that out into the world is that is that something is that is that the is that the secret to getting some of the length of a novel done well for me the secret is going is if you were going around the back basically it's like if you're delivering a parcel um go around the back if no one's in it's just like write something else if you're yeah. stuck in a book where you know it's like you've got the moment where somebody says the murderer is or you know suddenly I love you she said and the reason is just go and do something else for a bit. Walk the dog, get drunk, go and write something else. Yes. Or just do random writing. It's amazing. It's like, I used to make compilation tapes and they would always be, they would always start off with some random song at the start and then they would sort of ease into it. It's like, oh, this is like a punk rock love tape and the first song would be rubbish. That's a terrible <laughs> analogy. But if you just go and write something, like those awful, like, you know, awful musicians improvising, if you keep playing nonsense for an hour or so, Eventually, you might write a good bit of tune, which you can use. Sure. And you can do that with writing because no one's going to stop you. You just write a thousand words of rubbish. And then at the end, you might write, one day he woke up and he had someone else's penis. And you think, there's a story. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, it's, I mean, I suppose that your, your um, you know, your, your real genius and your skill is, is that you're, you're sort of adept across all these different disciplines and still able to sort of, you know, get the work done. Uh, do you think? Do you think that that's 
is that for you? Because for me, I, I like to do like stand up and I like to do podcasts and I like to do a bit of writing and they're all quite different. Do, do, does the variety of writing different sorts of uh, fiction and sketches and whatever, does, does that does that keep it interesting for you or is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. totally. I mean, if I had if I had the skills, I would do what you do. I would do different kinds of speech and performing stuff. Because A, it keeps you interested. It's more fun. But I mean, for me, also, the great advantage is if I have an idea, I can find the right, I'm sure you do, I can find the right home for it. Like, yeah. I had an idea years ago for a com- comedy thing about a translator who's written an unsuccessful book. Then it's a hit in Mexico. And the reason is yes. his Mexican translator got bored and turned it into an erotic novel. And it's like, <laughs> and with that, you're like, okay, it's not going to be a radio play. Um, certainly not going to be a science fiction novel. It's a rom-com. You know, it's opposites attract. And that was that was my film, Book of Love. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, you have an idea. It's like, when I did all, when I did the horror one, it was like, this is obviously a horror story. This is not going to be a movie or whatever. So, yeah. And do you like the fact that with books, you know, it is obviously yours, whereas often, you know, I'd, I'd seen, I haven't seen the film, but I'd seen the trailer of that film and thought that looks great, but I had no idea that you'd written it until, until I read your Wikipedia entry. So, you know, there's, there's sort of anonymity to a lot of stuff that, you, that you've done. You know, if we think of Veep, People aren't saying, "Oh yes, that the, the sitcom written partly by David Quantic." You know, and people are talking about the the stars of it or whatever. Is it is it nice to get your name out there on a book, or are you happy yeah. uh, happy writing anonymously or you know semi anonymously? Yeah, because well, you know what it's like. You know, with on the hour, you'd have a good joke, and it would sort of be subsumed into the mass. And it's not yeah. helped by actors who always think that they've written it. Yes, you know, you hear people going like. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek, man, it was my... It's like, really? You built the models, did you? <clears throat> you wrote the script and sat down. And I've been quite bad that sometimes, you know, if a clip from the thick of it, say, is a viral hit, I will put my hand up and say that was my bit. And I did literally, I used to go, I worked on a show called Saturday Zoo with Jonathan Ross. One of the things was he'd read out news-type gags. And during rehearsals, if you read out one of my gags, I used to put my hand up. So... And that's one reason I haven't worked much. But, yeah, writers are the ones who don't get credited. And people don't want to know, you know. If Eddie Izzard, he's a bad example. But what are, if you go on stage and do five minutes and get a laugh, if by okay. chance I had written it, I'd be furious. <laughs> I'd be glad he got a laugh. But I'd like, I would want you to hold up a sign saying, David Quantic there. Yes. It would make the show very dull. <laughs> and now a little tribute to the work of Dan Tetzel. So there, so writing the novels, you know, that is you. That's you up front. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and, your name and it, on it. Your name on it, and it's you know, and it is. I mean, it, you say it's your voice, which is not necessarily a West Country voice, but it is your voice, and it is exactly your thing. So it, you know, I can really see that. I've never really got into writing. I've, all my books have been pretty much uh, factual, but um, you know, I really would like to to get into uh, into writing some you know stories and novels so you know it is it is it is great when you've got such a voice and you know it is we i think because we we've we've mentioned past on twitter when i when i talked to abigail burdess you know like a, a funny novel when a, someone funny writes a novel it's like the funniest novel in the world because <laughs> most novelists might have like two jokes and then people go oh he's so witty whereas you know this yeah. is this has jokes but it's but it's you know it's humorous all the way through because you know the beats and you know how to make characters you know interesting and funny but you know it is also 
it's a it's a very gripping story, and and there's there's violence and danger and death and or everything in it. Really, you could expect plus people getting other people's penises. I mean, it's got everything you. Everything you want in a novel. Everything you want. I, I, you were born in uh, in Yorkshire, right? You were born and, and and grew up in the West Country, which is the same as me. So that's right. Is that, really? is that Where right? Were you born when, in I, I was born in Pocklington. So you're, I'm uh, East Ridings and you're West Ridings, right? Was you? you I was born. Near, I was being uh, born near York. Anyway, you, you, you're. Did you live in Yorkshire for a while, or did you? Well, it's it's all. Well, it's the story, the full story, which won't take long. Okay. Is that I'm adopted. I was supposed oh, okay. to be born in Long Eaton between Nottingham and Derby. Okay. Um, but my birth mother, you know, being 1961, sent away to stay with an aunt near where I was born. I was born in a mother and baby home, put up for adoption. Oh, and by chance, my dad, who was from Plymouth, was working in Sheffield at the time. So me, I got adopted. My sister was adopted. And then my parents basically went back to right. the West Country. So it was a bit of a shock when I was tracing my family to discover I was from the Midlands. Nothing against <laughs> the Midlands. My wife is from the Midlands. Um, it's a great place. But I'd always thought that, yeah, I would, must be somehow some kind of Fred Truman-esque stout Yorkshireman. <laughs> Not a member of UB40. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. I mean, have you ever written about that? That's, that's, a, very, that's a very interesting story it gets, there. Right? It gets into things. Yeah. It's mentioned in one unpublished book I've got. And I wrote a thing. Oh, there's a website that Sylvia Patterson, the music writer, does called Passing Bodies. And I wrote a a letter to my birth mother, who's sadly deceased. That was an interesting exercise. But, yeah, adoption is weird because you do feel like a sleeper agent. You know, you've got a different. And certainly when I was when I was around, when I was around, when I was a kid, you didn't know anything except that you were adopted. Yeah. So, you know. Took me ages to find out my birth name, which I'm not telling anyone. It's a proper secret. It took me ages to find out the story of my family. And you just suddenly get this feeling that one day you're going to be activated and suddenly you're going to be <laughs> Arthur Thompson and you're going to live in Sheffield. That's not my birth name, by the way. No one's ever been called Arthur Thompson. That's a, a genuine fact. <laughs> wow. That, that, yeah, that is right. And, and Stuart as well, also uh, one of the on the hour writers uh, was adopted as well, which I'm sure you must have talked to him about. So it's never talked to him. Yeah, that was one of Armando's policies to only hire adopted people. I think you had to li- you actually lied at your interview and said you I were did. Arthur Thompson. <laughs> I said I was born in Yorkshire, but I grew up in Somerset, so he assumed that like you, yeah. I'd, I'd been I'd been transported across the country rather Chris, than just by Chris Morris is actually Danish. Steve Coogan <laughs> was fostered by dogs. It's was a sad place to work. <laughs> there is a lot of, you know, there are a lot of comedians who have been adopted or, I mean, Robin Ince's book I keep going back to uh, where he talks about, com- this is more stand-up comedians, but comedy writers, I'm sure, as well as is, is that for, who either have a, a, a parent who's died or are adopted or, or, oh, yeah. an, or an authority figure as a parent, which I suppose I, I had. So I wonder, you know, I, I wonder how much those things uh, affect your comic sensibilities if you if you're feeling um you know either sad or like an outsider or well, like a sleeper agent in life whether whether that kind of directs you towards comedy I, I don't quite i don't quite buy it but there seems to be there might be something in it i have no idea why the lust for attention would make somebody a stand-up comedian <laughs> yeah <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and I, I also just wanted to say I really enjoyed uh, Snodgrass, which is another oh, of your you. 
your works, which, uh, uh, you know, having uh, watched the film yesterday, which is about a, a similar idea, <laughs> though, though not as well executed. Um, that, that's another, it's, it's coming, these ideas. So that, that, do you want to tell us a little bit, bit, bit about Snodgrass? Well, Snodgrass wasn't my idea. It's a short no, it's... story by a, a science fiction writer called Ian R. McLeod. I was at a party at Kim Newman's house and he was like, oh, you like the Beatles, David. And he gave me this book and it was a story. You start reading this book and it's about a, a middle aged man who's a bit of a drunken loser. And suddenly you realize that it's John Lennon and that this is a parallel universe where John Lennon walked out on the Beatles in 1962. The Beatles never became huge. And yeah, so we did it for Sky and we got I've forgotten his name. What's his flipping name? Oh, it's David Thro- David Frellis, is it? Or is it? No, Ian. Oh. oh, Ian Hart. No. Ian Hart, thank you. Yes. Yeah, and yes, Ian yes, Hart yeah. played John Lennon before, and he was amazing. And we went to see a film distributor, and they said, so, you know, yeah, this thing you've got about John Lennon, the Beatles never making it. Yeah, we're doing this Danny Boyle film called... I was like, oh, great. It really is, what are the chances? Two come along at once. Ours was better, by the way. I think yours was better, and I didn't like the fact that they they go to meet John Lennon. Spoilers alert for yesterday, but they've spoiled it already. Um, uh, they go to meet John Lennon, and he's just sort of happily living in the I can't remember the shed yeah. or somewhere. But like, it doesn't follow. You know, like if he'd lived, maybe Paul McCartney would have died. You know, it's like it doesn't. It's not like oh, if you hadn't been in the Beatles or if the, if the Beatles had never existed, you'd be happy or you'd still be alive or whatever. There's all these things to think about, but so many things would be different. That's when that's when I start getting into this uh, sci-fi nerd who says, but if you change that, everything would be different and the whole world would be different. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the original idea for yesterday was that the guy is the only person who remembers the Beatles but and then tries to tries to become successful off of the music but doesn't become successful, which I think is a much better idea. That's probably the original by Jack Bart, which is much yeah. better, yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, my version, when we did Snodgrass and put it in sort of the TV world, was the idea that the Beatles... Had the Beatles, that everything would have happened that happened now, but later. Yes. So we've got Thatcher in power for like 25 years instead of <laughs> whatever it was, 17. We've got Live Aid happening in the 90s because the famine goes on. Um, we've, got the, we've got the Hollies being, my favourite line in it that I wrote is John Lennon going, we could have been bigger than the Hollies. <laughs> yeah, and we've got the Beatles in Ian's version being this sort of like, a bit like a bit like a chicken in a basket band, you know. They yes. come on, it's like, oh, now we're going to do yesterday. And George, <laughs> you know, raises his eyebrows, and Ringo's hair has fallen out, and <laughs> and it was it was a lot of fun. But yeah, yeah, this. But the idea that John Lennon would be happy if he hadn't found fame <laughs> and fulfilment as a songwriter because he wanted to be a fisherman. Because we're all, you know, we're all always hearing about John Lennon's "I Wish I'd Been a Fisherman." You know, the album "Instant I Wish I'd Been a Fisherman." Imagine if I'd been a fisherman. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Sudden high horse. The bit, the, the the thing in the Beatles that I that I keep going back to that I that, unfortunately because you've you've written this already really and it's been written is Paul McCartney after Hamburg going back to work in the factory and getting an offer of promotion and then them coming saying we're playing the cavern do you want to come back and he had to decide about whether he was going <laughs> to, to carry on working at his factory as a middle manager middle manager or go and be in the Beatles and he chose to be in the Beatles. And just wondering how different the world would have been if he'd gone, no, I'll take the sensible option. And I'll... It's, <laughs> and it... it's, it's just bizarre. I mean, I think yeah. the Beatles were a product of their time too. But, I mean, I don't like the Rolling Stones much, and it galls me the idea that the, Roll- the Rolling Stones would have just walked in and said, I'll have that, and, you know, just picked up the 60s and taken it with them. And it would have been a bit more alarming 
because the Rolling, yeah. Rolling Stones were proper nasty. I mean, the Beatles were nasty, but the Rolling Stones were officially proper nasty. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I do want you know these things are all you know. It's I suppose that's the that's the thing with sci-fi. To get back to Ricky's hand is that you know it is difficult to come up with something that's uh, entirely mind-blowingly different. And often with sci-fi, people almost want the same the same things to happen. So I think that's what's that's what I really enjoyed about this book was that it's um, you know, it is unexpected, and the premise of it is is not something that I've really come across really in any way before. Uh, so it's you know, it, it is that's the the holy grail is to is to find a sci fi idea that uh, can be different. Is have you had any interest in or any thoughts about uh, translating it to film or television? This this particular book, I I'd like to. I did do some film do some film stuff. Talk to some people about adapting an earlier thing. Um, and we have talked, my book agent has talked to people, but nothing has emerged, sadly. Yeah. I mean, I think it would just be a fantastic role for a young up-and-coming actor whose hands look different to each other. <laughs> you would you know, have to have like, some, you'd have to have an actor who had different hands, David. And in this day and age, you couldn't, you couldn't superimpose no, a hand on there. That would be wrong. I mean... I'm watching the telly. I'm looking at someone like Will Poulter. And any scene where he played a show for any scene where he lifts his hands up on the wheel, I'm looking at those hands. He's wearing gloves. I'm going, those those hands look different sizes. No, it's so disappointing. You know, like once again, symmetrical hands have ruined my film career. <laughs> and there's no audio book. Am I right of this of this particular book, or have I did I miss no, it? I think, no, I think I think Titan decided to cut their losses. There are <laughs> audio books for the others, and they're right. great. And I learned how to pronounce a few names by listening to them. There's a character in one of them called Beam, and I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce that name. An American read it. Yeah, his name is Beam. Okay, <laughs> but no, as of yet, unless you want to do it, you know, free. <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> uh well you know it's it, it's it's a very good read i read it on holiday i would say it's a great holiday read uh just uh you know it zips along make you laugh you, you'll try to work out what the hell's going on uh it just about makes sense if you don't think about it too much <laughs> <Or at all. laughs> but no and, and you really want to know what's going to happen and there's real jeopardy in there because it is it, it is it's it's not like you think you know this will definitely be okay or this you know this will definitely turn out as a happy ending because it's <laughs> written by you so we know that anything can happen so I would recommend it. Are you are you working on uh, any more books either sci-fi or otherwise? I've taken a slight break because I've written too many books and <laughs> it's, you know it's like oh that book didn't get published I'll write another one oh that book's not being published but I've got many ideas I'm working on lots of things at the moment. And I really hope to have a book out soon. Good. Um, and is there anything you've been reading yourself that you would like to recommend to our listeners that's not by oh, you? Oh, gosh, absolutely, yeah. There's a book by Simon Stevenson called Set My Heart to Five, which is – I picked it up just because it had a weird title. It's, the, it's quite a common story. It's the story of an android who wants to be human, but it is, he also wants to be a film writer. Okay. <laughs> which attracted me. So it's told in the style of, of, you know, film script. But it's really funny and sad. And it has one of my best ever plot things. It's like, I t he, t he phones people a lot. He says, because about 30 years ago, the human race somehow locked themselves out of the internet. <laughs> but I just love that, solving the whole problem of, you know, going online in a novel, the mobile. So like one day, scientists <laughs> accidentally locked themselves out of the internet. And now they can't get online. Yes. 
Good. That's that's good. Well, you know, the, the minute it's in there, it's it's gone. Uh, this is uh, David Quantic, according to Neil Gaiman, one of the best kept secrets in the world of writing. He could do more work. I mean, he's he's done giving you a quote, but you know, that's fine. People... Yeah, he he did the bare minimum, but I'm yeah. still grateful. <laughs> when people say say that he's the best secret, fucking talk about him a bit more then. Uh, absolutely fantastic writer. Uh, you, you'll have enjoyed David's stuff somewhere down the line, even though no one held up a sign saying this was written by David Quantic as they were saying it. Uh, and uh, you will really enjoy this book. I do heartily recommend it. I very much enjoyed it. Ricky's hand. And I'll go, and if I have time, when I'm not reading everyone else's books, I'll go back and check out some of your, your previous sci-fi books as well. Uh, thank you very much to the amazing David Quantic. Thank you so much, Richard. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, good. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>